welcome to Ask the Expert um, from the Sugar Science. It's a new style of scientific communication, uh, more town hall than a lecture. It's short to accommodate the time-sensitive world of scientists, and we believe the collaboration accelerates scientific research. We ask the expert, you know, therefore it serves to further the T1D research ecosystem, engage in small salon type groups and expose more scientists to new ideas and connections that have a footprint uh, or intersect in type one diabetes. Um, today, our guest is Dr. Amparo Guemes Gonzalez. Please uh, forgive my pronunciation. No, um, and the title of her Presentation is bioelectronic medicine, bringing innovation to the treatment of type one diabetes. And I just would like to give a short um, introduction, a short bio for her. Uh, she uh, received the very prestigious postdoctoral 1851 research fellow at the bioelectronic lab at the University of Cambridge. She received her BS in biomedical engineering from Polytech University of Madrid in Spain and her MS in biomedical engineering and PhD in electrical engineering from Imperial College in London in the UK. Amparo's interdisciplinary research combines all these things, signal processing, modeling, electronics, and electrophysiology to develop advanced algorithms and neurotechnology to be integrated into a closed loop platform that aims to improve glucose control in type one diabetes. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's my pleasure. We're very excited to hear um, you know, about your work today. And um, I don't know if you want to sort of dive into some slides or do you want to just give a little bit of a background about maybe just a sort of a, a verbal background about what it is you're studying right now? Yeah, so, um, well, I'll cover this better on, on during the, the slides. Uh, but basically, this is a um, new perspective for um, approaching type 1 diabetes control. And it's through implementing uh, what right now is having a lot of um, impact on diseases, which is um, bioelectronic medicine. So I'll explain what bioelectronic medicine is um, in a few minutes. But um, basically, it changes completely the perspective of medicine. So instead of, of considering each system as uh, independent from each other, so uh, consider the metabolic system independently from the in, uh, immunological system or from the neurological system. It basically uh, tries to see a combine a whole approach of the body. And, and this is what I think um, ma makes sense, like because our bodies work all together, right? So um, this tries to unlock the potential of the, the, the nervous system to to approach other types of diseases, uh, such as immunological or, or in this case, metabolic. So I'll, I'll talk later on, like in more detail. That sounds great. I, it's really interesting that it, it kind of uh, brings up the idea of almost like Eastern medicine with the idea of acupuncture and those types <laughs> of things. I mean, that's very different than what you're talking about, but there's something about the two that, that kind of, um, you know, have a little bit of overlap and that they're the Eastern medicine, the acupuncture approach does sort of approach the whole body. Um, and it's a very ancient kind of medicine. So it's, it's really interesting that the new technology is kind of, I don't know, how would you say it? Like, you know, overlapping on that or sort of advancing that? Yeah, it's, I guess it's, well, taking that to, or, or making the most of that probably by yeah. using technology. Um, and, and it is true that, um, and there, there are actually one 
people give this talk about bioelectronic medicine, there's always a question about acupuncture uh, because it, it resembles so much like trying to, um, by using the neural system, trying to uh, change the response of other organs that may not be directly related to each other. But of course they are because we, our body is controlled by the brain and the way that the brain controls the organs is through the peripheral nervous system. So then it makes sense that if you target the peripheral nervous system, you are kind of um, interfacing with, well, the, the, the control of our body, right? Fantastic. So, yeah, that was perfectly put. Cool. Um, well, so thank you once again for inviting me. And today this talk, as I said, I'm going to focus on novel technology for, for diabetes. Uh, in particular, I'm going to focus on a field that promises to provide um, really good results in the management of diabetes, which is bioelectronic medicine. So first, I wanted to start highlighting the importance of diabetes, because uh, in my opinion, diabetes is one of the most challenging pandemics that uh, we are suffering right now. And I said pandemic because, uh, well, these years we've been um, uh, all like COVID has brought all our attention, right? but diabetes still affects over 460 million people worldwide and is forecast to be the seventh leading cause of death uh, by 2030. And also um, it is not only this, but the healthcare expenditures associated with this disease are, are prohibited for some patients uh, despite being essential. And for example, I have included these two figures that illustrate how impressive the cost related to the insulin market um, is. So the point I want to make here is that uh, this disease causes an enormous impact on society and it encourages us for the development of new strategies to improve glucose, glucose control. And, and one of those is through technology. So I kind of put together this slide with uh, an overview of how diabetes technology has evolved over time. And just to place us in context, it was in um, 19... 60s, so 60s, when the first dual hormone, um, hormonal pump for insulin glucagon delivery uh, was developed. And then toward the, towards the end of that decade, um, it was the first portable glucose meter that was um, in the market. But then we had to wait till the end of, of uh, the previous century when Medtronic produced the first um, subcutaneous um, uh, CGM uh, mini-med system. In, and then throughout the last decades, there has been a lot of progress. And in particular, the most outstanding um, device was the development of these closed loop systems, which are known as artificial pancreas. And the first commercialized system uh, was the Medtronic 670G. And as we can see in the, let me see if you can see my pointer here. But here in this graph, um, this is the glycemic control using in a a type 1 diabetes person implanted with this um, closed-loop system. And in fact, like the metabolic control is much, um, it's, it's improved. And also the, the quality of life of the patient is improved, but still the glucose control is far from the optimal one seen yes. in, in healthy individuals. Absolutely. So there's, there's still room for improvement here. And why, why is it that difficult to control glucose levels? And the reason is that there's a 
huge complex network of mechanisms that are involved in controlling glucose metabolism in, in health individuals, where we have not only a lot, uh, like loads of different me uh, metabolism, uh, meta sorry, substances and, and hormones uh, that interact with each other, but also we have neurotransmitters as well. And of course, uh, we want everything to provide um, a tight and a robust regulation of glucose because glucose is, is the energy of, the, of, of our tissues and in particular of our brain. So we need that to be super controlled. Um, but um, yeah, so that's, that's why it is so difficult. It's so challenging to control uh, glycemia. And in particular, so I want to highlight here the, the importance of the nervous system because of course our organs don't work in isolation. Uh, they are continuously being told what you what you do by nerves acting through um, neurotransmitters, and this enable a bidirectional communication between the nerves. Uh, sorry, between the brain and the and the organs. Yeah, and I, this like is how you, I like how you highlighted the bidirectional communication. Yeah. That's so exactly. often, um, you know not. I think it's often underappreciated. So no, it, and I mean, um, well, I can talk later on a bit more on this, but uh, it's incredible like how different the responses are depending on if you are activating the afferents or the ones going to the brain or the afferents or the ones going to the to the organs. So the responses are completely different. It's gonna be um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, basically um, the, this is called the autonomic nervous system because it's completely like without any voluntary input. And and within this, we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which uh, whose primary nerve is the vagus nerve, and the primary neurotransmitter is acetylcholine. So, this whole scenario, of course, has has uh, motivated the researchers to explore new opportunities for for studying glucose control and glucose metabolism in the context of the nervous system, and which, I mean, despite it has a huge importance and a huge impact. Uh, it has been disregarded in, in current metabolic technology. So, okay, I've been talking about bioelectronic medicine for a while, but I haven't defined it. So what is it, uh, bioelectronic medicine? So it has many different definitions, but the one that I, I like the most, it's um, basically um, using any type of stimulation. So it can be uh, electrical, optogenetic, ultrasound, to modulate the neural activity of the peripheral autonomic nerves for treating uh, a disorder or restoring lost biological functions. And for example, right now we have um, a clinical systems that uh, use both invasive and non-invasive vagus uh, nerve stimulation to treat a variety of uh, diseases such as uh, Crohn disease, rheumatoid arthritis, migraines, and I recently read even um, that vagus nerve stimulation could be used for treat, uh, treating COVID. So like it's applying to everything. So the question is, um, can we really apply veterinary medicine for improving diabetes management? And the answer is a promising yes, because, uh, well, here I have included a um, summary of the most recent and successful uh, preclinical and clinical studies on bioelectronic medicine targeting different uh, nerves and organs, which are deeply involved in glucose metabolism, such as the pancreas, the stomach, the 
God's delivery. And just to provide some examples of the research that has been conducted. So most of it um, has happened in the context of obesity for uh, controlling um, food intake and regulating uh, body weight. But then we have for type two diabetes that um, research is focused on trying to control insulin sensitivity um, by using neuromodulation. And for example, there's this study where uh, they increased insulin sensitivity by blocking the activity of the carotid uh, sinus nerve. And then for type one diabetes, we have a lot of preclinical -clinic, pre research, um, which is focusing on trying to in modulate, increase and decrease uh, glucose levels using stimulation. But also we have this, um, this is an amazing paper by researchers uh, at the Finstein's uh, Institute, um, who are, by the way, pioneers and worldwide reference um, on applying bioelectronic medicine. Are you talking about uh, Theodora Sanos and Cynthia Arano yeah, and yeah. company? <laughs> yes. So they 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 had this. Uh, this is an outstanding paper showing that um, well they were able to to uh, decode glucose uh, levels from uh, um, neural neural firing patterns, and and this is an unprecedented um, result that shows the potential of using the vigorous nerve as a glucometer as they, as they um, mentioned it. So yes, there are lots of opportunities. In my case, um, what we are trying to do is to um, use bioelectronic medicine um, to expand current uh, glucose controllers by mimicking more closely how the, um, the healthy population work. So basically, Right now, like not only um, including the metabolic control, but also adding this neural control. And well, just um, because I didn't know uh, how experts the, the um, public was gonna be. So just as a reminder, um, when we eat, the beta cells in the pancreas release uh, insulin that allows our body to, to um, use and to store the glucose contained in, in the um, carbohydrates. And of course, this happened, as we have seen, um, everything under the ultimate control of the nervous system. However, what happens in type 1 diabetes is that there's a destruction of the beta cells, which are, which are the cells that secrete insulin. So then um, there's no insulin secretion, and uh, there's not a decrease of glucose um, after meal intake. Um, which cause like really risky fluctuations of, of glucose. And to manage this uh, right now, one of the um, state-of-the-art uh, treatments is the, this closed-loop artificial pancreas that responds to changes in blood glucose uh, concentrations by automatically delivering the dose of external insulin that is, um, that is injected to, to lower them. But we could achieve even better control by combining these glucose readings with uh, information extracted from neural recordings regarding the metabolic state or information about the meals. And together with these two, we can get, um, we can um, compute better computation or better estimations of the insulin to be delivered. But also um, 
the characteristics of the um, electrical stimulation to be delivered back to the nerves targeting the organs of interest. Yeah, because one of the issues is with the, even with the closed loop system, if uh, new patterns are introduced, you know, like if exercise is introduced, uh, that can, you know, there's a lag with the CGM sometimes and it doesn't accurately represent yeah, so, what the blood glucose um, is. So this is, this seems like a really great added level of detection. Exactly, yeah. Because as you said, like one of the main challenges right now, it's delays, but delays both in the um, uh, glucose um, measurements, glucose sensors, but also in the action of insulin once you inject it. So if we could act from the very first second, then that will, that will make a difference. And of course the nervous system, it's like the dynamics. So the, the timing, it's much faster. So then if we can um, interface with this and detect signals that, uh, well, that are triggers of meal intake or, or that um, informs us about a change in the metabolic state, then we can react faster um, to, to, these, to these changes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so, well, basically, um, this is what um, my colleagues and I at the University of Cambridge are, are trying to do by designing new um, hardware and algorithms that will enable a safe and an effective interface with the autonomic nervous system and in particular with the vagus nerve. And well, for doing this, we are currently working on two sides. One is a new microfabrication techniques for uh, electronics to, to implant in the vagus nerve, but also on um, exploiting machine learning algorithms that will allow us to extract these uh, in real time uh, useful information about this metabolic state of the meal intake, um, which, as I said, like, will allow us to make better predictions of the insulin to be delivered, which in turn will reduce the amount of insulin that you need to, to inject, and of course, the cost associated with this. So, what challenges are we facing? Because all of this is, is um, very promising, but there are lots of limitations. And one of the most um, important limitations in, in neuromodulation in general is basically to increase the specificity of the simulation so that we only uh, activate the fibers that target the process of interest and we minimize the risk of, of secondary effects of um, activating other non-unwanted um, processes. How easy is that to tease out which fibers, you know, are going where and functioning? Yeah, well? so um, there, there are, yeah, so different researchers are exploring different strategies. The one that um, I've read that um, I, I liked a lot was using optogenetic stimulation. So basically you are injecting this um, option. It's, it's kind of a marker that um, marks the nerves that you're interested on so that then with light you only stimulate those fibers and they manage to stimulate only the cholinergic fibers targeting the um, I think it was the, the pancreas but basically they, they manage to to only targeting cholinergic fibers to modulate insulin and, and glucose so much more specific targeting yeah exactly so the, as I said like there are different strategies um as well like using different simulation parameters as well can um, 
help you to to um, target specific fibers. But um, there's a lot of ongoing research uh, on this. But still, like this is one of the challenges. <laughs> and then this is on the stimulation side. Then on the recording side. Um, so we need. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, this is uh, in general like how to interface with the nerve, right? So we need um, to to develop better um, electrode to nerve. Uh, interface um, and how can we do it? So we can do it by designing better materials and, and other fabrication techniques that will ensure a safe stimulation, but also a long-term uh, reliability during our current recordings. But most importantly, and this is one of the grand challenges, which is acquiring biostability and biocompatibility with the surrounding tissue in the long term, because there's like um, this biodegradation process that happens in our bodies, which is normal and encapsulation and all this degrades the sensors. So uh, working on making them stable over time, this is one of the of the greatest challenges. And then yeah, as so I say like um, for for recording, we have um, this is a very difficult, <laughs> very difficult task because well the signals that we are looking for they are very low amplitude. Uh, they are really low signal to noise radio, so the background noise is quite high, and they are non-stationary. So all these really complicate the task about uh, recording. But um, the good news is that there's a lot of research going on on neural decoding in general, and data analysis um, algorithms are, are improving as we speak. So we are already being able to, to extract real-time information about the um, firing patterns of the peripheral nerves, as this paper that was mentioned before um, by researchers at, at Feinstein. So this is something um, that, that will, will be possible for sure, in, and we are working towards this as well. And then um, another technical challenge um, basically involves integrating all the metabolic and the bioelectronic hardware and software into one single system that is uh, patient specific and that uh, works in real time and that it provides ideally this um, adaptation over time, right? Like smart systems. Um, and for this, we need, of course, um, innovative solutions for efficient uh, wireless data transmission, because that is um, one, one big challenge there, but also a reduction in the power supply, because energy efficiency is, is really important in, in these really small systems. And finally, um, in terms of the adoption, the, in the long-term adoption of this uh, neural technology, well, basically it relies on the development of minim minimally invasive or non-invasive technology, which is already there, um, but with the enough temporal and spatial resolution that, that we seek for only targeting the processes that we're interested on. And well, there's already uh, progress on this because um, probably you're aware that researchers from Galvani and GSK, uh, GSK, they managed to implant an electrode in, in the splenic nerve for, for stimulation using a minimally invasive laparoscopic. Yes. Um, We've been watching uh, that. Yeah, 
So that is that is a huge step towards minimally um, invasive implantation of this type of technology so that it doesn't necessarily need to be non-invasive, which is less specific, but you can acquire the, the required um, specificity by being minimally invasive. So this is very nice uh, results. And finally, I want just to mention that uh, a really good news um, for us is that uh, the community of people with, with diabetes, they, are, they have already demonstrated that they can adapt quickly to new technology. Because as we said, like for the last 70 years, well, 60 years, they have been using different types of technology and, and they have adapted um, to it. And I believe it is because of the continuous um, strategies for educating the users, which is, which is very important. So for me, like this scenario, it, it uh, motivates that um, this novel hybrid, like neuromodulation and drugs um, system can, can be as successfully adopted by the diabetes community. Yeah, I would also add that, you know, those with type 1 diabetes, it's an incurable disease. Some of type 2 can be reversed through diet and exercise, but for type 1, there's no alternative but to constantly be, you know, every day monitoring the blood sugar, giving insulin. And um, so I think that they're ready and ripe for like some, you know, uh, some technology that's going to make their life a little easier or less of a, a burden. So I think yes. it's 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 really a perfect timing I think um, for the entry into this. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just want to to wrap up. Um, so basically, as I said, like I expect this this novel closed loop technology combining both metabolic and neural uh, technology to enable patient tailored, fully autonomous, and more affordable treatments um, to eventually address one of the most challenges, uh, um, greatest challenges of, of medicine nowadays. And I feel it's just a matter of time, um, given the huge progress that the whole scientific community and industry are putting together towards, towards this. So when, we don't know, but we are working towards that. And, and this, is, this is it, thank you very much. In, yeah, like now it's the fun part, the discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. This is just really great. Um, a great sort of like a high, high level view of really where, uh, where the field has been and where it's going. Um, I'd like to take some questions from the audience if um, they would like to drop one or two in the chat or they can unmute themselves, whatever they'd like. Um, I So what's next for you though, after you're, completing, you know, um, this postdoc, I mean, are you going to continue in this realm or do you have plans yet or what are you thinking? Well, I, I just finished my PhD. So I just started my, the, the postdoc. I, I have, um, at least, uh, well, three years, uh, here. So my plan right now is to work on this, both on the recording and stimulation, um, sites and, and hopefully like the idea is to keep working on this project um, towards building this closed loop system. Um, my, my plan is to stay in, in academia because that's the environment I, I feel more comfortable in. But of course, I understand that uh, these things 
don't happen with the support and the guidance of industry. So industry is, is the best way to, to go into society, basically. So working hand in hand with, with industry, it's, it's a must. And that's something I'm trying to, to foster as well. Yeah, it's a collaborative um, platform. And yeah. I mean, here in the US, there, you know, kind of, there's a number of different initiatives that are trying to make that an easier, you know, collaborative piece. So, yeah. um, and I'm sure that's true in London as well. Um, yeah. Is there anyone else that I do see there's several people in the audience. So I wondered if they would like to just sort of drop a question in. I mean, I'll just ask, you know, what do you think is the uh, in terms of the anatomy, the actual anatomy of the nervous system and it's the mm -hmm. autonomic nervous system. I mean, uh, we know that there's some kind of, you know, personalized or, you know, individualized uh, way that the, everyone's uh, physiology is constructed. Yep. So, I mean, is this going to drill down into being something that's really going to have to be understood from a person by person situation or will there be some way to sort of detect okay this person's you know vagal anatomy is is pretty similar to to everyone else's or is it really going to be like oh no this person has a, some kind of neuronal differences and we have to accommodate that no um i mean i'm not an expert in clinic so my research is more preclinical but um despite of course like as you said like there are differences between uh, individuals but the gross anatomy, that remains the same. Mm. And uh, the idea of these systems is that uh, is to make them smart in the sense that uh, you, you can't create, um, so there are like two strategies, the one fit all, right? And then the personalized. This is going more towards the personalized treatment, but um, starting from um, template, that uh, will then be adapted to, to each of the individuals. How can you do that? Well, basically, as, as they are doing right now for treating rheumatoid arthritis, so the system is the same. What you're, what you're changing are the parameters uh, that, that each, because it, um, each person has a different threshold, for example, for, for activation. So that's what you play with. Mm -hmm. um, but the you have system- have a different set point. Exactly. Reference that company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that, that's what, uh, how the, the name uh, came, but um, yeah, exactly. So it, it aims to provide patient-tailored um, treatment, but using a system that, that remains, um, that, that can be applicable for, for everyone. Yeah. And that's kind of what the pumps and, you know, the closed loop system is now in a way, right? It's exactly. It's usable by all most all, but it's, um, it's supposed to adapt to that individual's sort of patterns. So yeah, that does seem like it, it's a possibility. And of course, that's what, you know, the business cases uh, need, I guess, is, is something that's going to, you know, really have a market. So that's what they're interested in um, mm -hmm. producing. So it's really something to consider. Well, I think you're, I, I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, and we'll be watching your, um, your work and, and papers that come from your laboratory. I think um, this is amazing um, new way forward. And it's great to see you at the forefront with, you know, just superlative training 
and, you know, some great vision um, uh, to make it all happen. So thank you again for meeting with us today. And we'll, we'll hope to, um, to see you again soon. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, um, this, is, this is a huge opportunity for me to show this novel. I mean, it's not novel in the sense that, of course, bioelectronic in the sense of stimulating organs has been applied since, well, the cardiac, um, the uh, pacemaker. But it's novel the way that it's been applied right now. And it's good that, well, people start to get familiar. and. And in my opinion, this is this is the future of medicine, like for for everything. Probably not to, I don't know if it's, if it's gonna replace, but for sure it's gonna add. Yeah, it's gonna add yeah. safety. It's gonna add efficiency. So two very important, um, you know, pieces of the puzzle in type one diabetes management. And uh, you know, it's great to see you as a pioneer, as a young woman scientist out there doing this and really just diving in. I love it. Thank you yeah. again. We'll Thank talk you again soon. Bye-bye.